Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rogg. Kayfabe Tober is upon us. These are your drawing prompts. Take your screen grabs, go to the Cartoonist Kayfabe Instagram. We have the prompts there pinned at the top of our uh, profile. And make sure you tag us in these images so that we can uh, reshare as many of these as possible. The Cartoonist Kayfabe channel is a daily YouTube sh channel, and we have uh, more than 1,500 videos that are live to date. We might have talked about some of your favorite comics, so make sure that uh, you hit the little search box on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. Give it a glance for your favorites and check out those episodes. Uh, the videos, in a lot of ways, are brought to you by the King Kayfabers on our Patreon. Uh, they get the videos before anybody else. You can become one. Uh, there are three levels of support, and if you become a King Kayfaber, you're hanging out with us in a live stream of recording sessions as we cover these uh, different topics every single day and the kings get first dibs on all the books that we're talking about in the aftermarket without further ado let's talk about sandman endless nights written by neil gaiman illustrated by a murderer's row of fantastic comic book illustrators from glenn fabry to milo Minera uh to uh prado we'll call him uh frank quietly p craig russell bill sinkevich and baron story and you it's, gotta imagine Neil Gaiman handpicks these guys, right? He does, and I uh, actually I think there might be a game to play with uh, some of these fellas because we know that the Frank Whiteley story was going to go to Mobius first. And Mobius was just a little too old, uh, and and couldn't couldn't muster up the energy to to do it. So Frank Whiteley comes in, fucking hits a home run. There was a big poster where he painted the endless. That, that came out to kind of almost promote this thing. It's the first time he used color in, in America in, in that way. And it was a statement. It was amazing. And he's done some of that work, uh, you know, in subsequent years. And it just, it, it's freaking awesome. But but I wonder, you know, f for the destruction story, the way that it's matched up, there are, you know, seven of the endless. So Neil Gaiman is choosing artists who fit with that character from the endless family of characters so for instance you have destruction glenn fabry is is simon bisley not the first choice <laughs> for that for destruction that's an interesting point right yeah that's all i got in terms of uh who might have been a, a, a you know an, an original thought because everybody matches up pretty freaking well and so not only does no game and match the artists pretty well with the these specific characters from the endless but he also weaves the story in the way that i think complements the artists so we start off with death by uh p craig russell doing doing the art chores period costuming is something that comes to mind set in venice makes me assume p craig russell must have gone there it, you know you can get a lot from photos online but eh, you don't get the you don't get the the atmosphere i don't think you know I, I do remember you saying that uh there was like pickpocketing was like an issue and stuff when when you were down there and it has like these like kind of corner hustler guys trying trying to pull a pull a pull a lick on people uh we're going to do a quick overview of this this entire book for this episode and we could wax minutia individually on future episodes uh if uh, this video does well enough but uh this book in total certainly deserves a little bit of of attention Get to see Todd Klein really flexing throughout the book, pulling Absolutely. a lot of different lettering. Yeah, that's always enjoyable. He's he's always shined uh, with his work with Neil Gaiman, 
and there's probably no less than 1520 fonts that, uh, that, that he uses uh, for for this book this is the death story mm-hmm. uh, so seeing P. Craig Russell's interpretation of death is really sweet uh, leaning into cartooning I would say uh, in in this book compared to some of his earlier works that were very kind of pre-Raphaelite uh, figure drawing and stuff yeah he's a he's an artist that people that I'm friends with that are a little bit older than me yeah just revere absolutely and I was a little after that time yeah. you know like I'll pick up P. P Craig Russell based on previous generation being like this is the guy mm-hmm. and um, I but I, I, know, I didn't experience most of it like in real time yeah I think we have some of the the major works like like I definitely have his his uh, star reach work called I don't know Parsifal or Parasol or something like that that's like a crown jewel to like the people that you speak of yeah so that'll be a future episode yeah desire who better than milo Minera to do the desire portion of uh sandman endless nights do you get an impression if we're doing an overview here of like some arc like why this arrangement like I, I, I was reading these, and at first I'm like, man, okay, that first story is like an issue. It's great. It's right. like a short story. This next one, it's it's same deal. And maybe the first four or five of these feel like they could have been an issue. It's a short story, mm-hmm. you know, very satisfying. And then when I get to the last three, it's a very different feeling, and it makes me wonder, like, is this book slight? You know, as I was reading it one story at a time, like I would read them, you know, one each day. Right. And and it was this good reading experience for most of the book. But looking back on it, I just wonder, like, is this a cash grab? Is this DC saying, like, hey, come on, Neil, give us a Sandman? Yeah, I, I, I consider it to be, you know how... It's beautiful, it's interesting, but it's also, like, some of the stories feel much more substantial than others. Totally. Uh, it's It's been said on the Frank Whiteley shoot interview when we asked him, Frank, were you the first choice for that uh, Destiny story in uh, Sandman Endless Nights, knowing that he was not, and just wanting to hear hear his his thoughts on the matter. When it was going to be Mobius, the family said it's got to be splash pages. Like he can't really be doing storytelling uh, through panels and mm-hmm. things. Uh, I do think that one of the overarching things in in each of these is the idea of dreaming. Um, like dreams are mentioned in in almost every single yeah that's fair. St- story. I like this character. This is a witch. Right. And I like that character design a lot in the way that she's treated in the story. <laughs> very Minera. Yeah, yeah. T- definitely. definitely. Very, very Minera. Minera. Cash grab, sure. Uh, what, I, what I was going to say uh, earlier was um, just like Bunny Colvin in, in, in The Wire, Season 3, Hamsterdam, when he holds up the bottle of elderberry and puts it into the paper bag and calls it a tremendous act of civic compromise where the cops know what you're doing. You know what you're doing, but as long as it's in that paper bag, it's all good. I think Neil Gaiman is what, one of the great politicians of mainstream co- comics in that he said, listen, if if you use the dream character, I will never do anything for you ever again, DC Comics. And they made good on that agreement, and he made good on that agreement. And the things that he comes back for, he wants to make money for them. Here's another game to play. Who's your favorite artist? in terms of just the stories that are in here which story do because this is gorgeous dude yeah i do think that brian james uh is is cast in this uh, in this film right here man the, does that not look like him it does totally and, and then he also ends the way he does in every movie also not That's necessarily right. with a decapitation but he certainly is not like long for this no. world very true the desires uh, a tough nut to crack in terms Amazing. of dr- a drawing yeah because 
it is an androgynous character and uh gold dust it, it gets handled a lot of ways mm -hmm. uh in 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 the comics and sometimes it'll be a very ma like masculine image then the very next panel kind of feminine having that strong draw but the kind of soft features within like that that is pitch perfect and you could do a zine of this type panel oh, yeah. of the eye close-ups but that's a beautiful page yeah like, it works really well on that page gorgeous watercolor throughout uh so so uh, desire desire allows for monkey's paw type stories and, that, and that's what we have here this video is brought to you by the books that we make the best way to support cartoonist kayfabe is to buy our books I have Street Angel, Princess of Poverty, coming out in November. You need to pre-order that one now. It is part of a set with Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, collecting all of my Street Angel comics. October 26th, I will be selling my self-published comics on jimrug.com. That includes True Crime Funnies, the BW zine, and the 1986 zine. And Hulk Grand Design, my contribution to the Grand Design mythos, is sold out at the distribution level. So pick that one up if your comic shop still has a copy. Ed's Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus will be in stores in November. I recommend that you pre-order this one. Get your name on a copy because these are going very fast. X-Men Grand Design Trilogy Trade Paperback will be out in November collecting all three volumes of X-Men Grand Design by Ed Piscor. And Red Room, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings are already out. And in January, they will be joined by Crypto Killers. And now back to our video. You know, there's this guy with a mullet. <laughs> it almost looks like your Facebook profile photo, yeah. actually, right there, man. And a dream. And he gets he gets all the chicks, and she wants some of that. It's neat what Minera draws in here too, like the sword between them. It's a beautiful sword, right? You know what I mean, like if you're into that, I feel like you'd be really happy with that panel. So she goes from uh, not being even noticed to being like coquettish, teasing him out, and then. Uh, it is a monkey's paw story, so it has to end as such, we'll say. Man, we'll, we'll, we could dig deeper and, and do a whole episode of that at some point. That's cool. And I like the, the way he, he often will show, show Neil Gaiman, yeah. will often depict mortals in contrast to the Endless. Right. And you get it in that story with Desire really well. And you do not get it in this story, which is like full, it's, it's he went full game in here. And it's that kind of fairy tale sort of story where dream is is being associated with stars and suns and planets in the galaxy like that's what these creatures are and and their and their light might not shine bright they might you know be toast there's a particular star that he's interested in but then you know she fucks somebody else so he completely loses interest you have young Sol, which is Spanish for sun, mm -hmm. uh, who is who has a dream of in ha uh, having a galaxy with a population. Yeah, it's a bizarre story. It's so strange to like conceptualize some of this. Helen Bonham Carter, I would say. Yeah. Straight from uh, Fight Club. I like Dream's depiction in this story. Yeah. I think he looks good visually. I think this whole story looks good visually. Yeah, there's a Melinda Gibby vibe to some of it. The, the Lost Girls kind yeah. of energy. I don't know the artist. Yeah. This is the one artist that, that I don't know too much about. But it's kind of, you know, it's a, kind of like a sweet tale. It's, it's very British. Uh, it's, you know, like the, uh, of the American fairy tale is your Mark Twain, you know, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court type stuff. This is not that this is pure british fantasy stuff okay let's play that game like was that anybody else considered maybe charles vess 
Interesting. Maybe. Because I don't quite know this artist, you know? Yeah, I don't either. I think I think the artist did really well with this story. Like, I like this art, and it feels a little bit different. It makes me wonder if they're even a comic book artist or something else. Right. Which comes to Baron's story uh, doing the Despair piece. I was really excited when I saw Baron's story's name. So Baron's story, kind of a legendary teacher and legendary for his sketchbooks. I think Caliber has published some of his work in, like, these comics forms. And man, by the end of the story, I was really disappointed. Right. It's. It, it, I think it speaks to the character. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because it's kind of all over the place. Uh, I was wondering if each of these pieces built to the next, and and I, it was a little incoherent because there are bits that feel like they connect, but um, it starts to get schizophrenic. One of the things I I have criticized Neil Gaiman for in the past is I sometimes read one of his comics and think, well, would this have been better as just a prose story? Mm -hmm. And this story in particular feels a little bit that way to me in that there seems to be the biggest gap between the text and the images. Sure. And I do wonder how it gets put together, you know? Like, do you just get three or four hundred images from Baron's story and then, like, arrange them right, because or something? Th because this looks expensive, right? Like, yes. this looks very expensive to produce, this, uh, this amount of work. And you just know that, you know, like, when these, these early pieces are not... He didn't draw these at like five inches, probably. No, like they these, look big. These are Those look like sketchbook pages. Totally. Size. So like this just looks like a massive amount of work. But I also think he he didn't draw them just for this. Like like that looks like a piece done just for this. Totally. But not everything does. And it makes me wonder too, did he get the story and then go through his own work and assemble it? Right. Which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it's curious. It, it, like I said, I, I find it to be the biggest gap between image and text, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. It probably means I need to read it more than once to really try to make those connections. But some of the imagery is just mind-bending. Now, Baron's story, of course, right? He heavy hitter, but it's an inside baseball kind of creator, I would say. Uh, you know, a, a luminary of illustration, Lord of the Flies uh, book cover comes to mind. But... Uh, Clive Barker gave a bunch of uh, heat to Sandman early on with intros and things, and that makes me wonder: was 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 Clive maybe That's choice choice number one? When when I see some of this kind of stuff, That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine. Oof, yeah, I, that never occurred to me till you say it just now. But that's a pretty pretty insightful. Now this, to me, feels like a perfect matchup of Bill Sienkiewicz doing the Delirium character. That's the other thing. These characters are so abstract. Yeah. The idea of like putting an image with them. Yes. They're they're wild to me to think of as a writer, let alone like now we're going to make this very abstract concept, draw a draw a, a, a humanoid right. figure, you know, that that, that that fits this. Right. Uh, one other piece about the 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 dream sequence is that it in Sandman canon it, it has a, has a big place in that narrative. In that, in this story, Sandman, his favorite sibling of the Endless is, is Desire at this point. And throughout the comic book proper, the monthly comic, there's nothing but disdain between Sandman and Desire. And in fact, Desire is his, his folly. Uh, so, like, this story kind of establishes that part. It does. It even references it in here where it says, like, this moment, what it exactly. happens here, yeah. yeah, changes the rules for the endless, right? And then, of course, you know, delirium. Before delirium, she's delight, and I think she shows up as delight in that old story too. So you could kind of 
have some idea of the That's time neat. frame of stories. Uh, because uh, if you have, you hear this a lot lately on in podcasts and stuff where people are really promoting the idea of like physical exertion and, and, and having some adversity in your life. And they couch that with saying stuff like if you are, so the character's delight, right? If you are just uh, happy all the time and you're just kind of giving in to those impulses, like that can mean 10 donuts a day. That can mean binge watching stuff. And maybe delirium comes after that for real, you know, like that's a good point. Speaking of uh, cartooning, this sequence of the alarm clock to me is fantastic cartooning. It yeah. goes one way, it goes the other way, it Stop. gets pushed down. Yes. So simple, but very lively. And for, you know, this kind of art, like you can do this stuff poorly. Using all kinds of media mm -hmm. on this piece. And we have many different points of view. Uh, it looks like Gen 1 of Bill Sienkiewicz fucking with Photoshop mm -hmm. because we got some 72 DPI imagery in here way after the fact. That's when, a little weird. When we, right. when we knew what the stuff was, but honestly... Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it right here. Honestly, Jimmy, I think in that um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic you showed us, there was bad resolution. So, like, somebody has to send Uncle Bill the memo that, like, maybe you got to bump up the DPI on your stuff. I was very excited. Uh, you know, several points of view, and, of course... We said it before, Todd Klein shining with with the the lettering there. But uh amongst these several points of view, dude, it's a it's Henry Darger. It, mm -hmm. It's like literally a Henry Darger story. The guy goes home, forces himself to write twenty pages of a story. If he doesn't, he has to smack his dick with a roller a bunch of times. <laughs> and uh he's also a painter and he puts together art shows. Uh the one difference to make this a unique character is that uh this guy is a janitor at a school rather than uh, at a hospital. See, it's his Vivian girls right it here. It really is. So yeah. so we get to see Bill Sienkiewicz doing his like Henry Darger nods, which is to me personally is extremely fantastic to get to see. And it has the tropes like it, it you know, it has like, you know, Campbell soup can looking kids and kind of paste up stuff. You see the same fish, uh, you know, here and there. Yeah, it's bizarre. This is another one I'd be curious, like, what on earth does a script look like for this? Totally, because even as a reading experience, it reads like Delirium's speech pattern. And, uh, like, I couldn't really make heads or tails that much, which I think was kind of the point. Yes. But super cool to see uh, Bill flex his chops in, what, 2004, 2005, when he really wasn't doing that much comic stuff. This might be his last comics, as far as I know. Well, maybe that Turtles thing, but... He doesn't we, do that much. We've been mentioning, uh, I've, I've been dreaming of these PDFs I want people to make. Yeah. And one of them is a collection of Bill Sienkiewicz comic book covers. Sure. And I've even designed it in my head as being like, I want them, I want them alphabetically organized. Right. <laughs> but it is cool to see the range of materials, you know, like that's where I often think of that stuff. But to see it all in a, in a story like that, that's pretty impressive. So here you go with Destruction, Glenn Fabry, and you mentioned Simon Bisley as a possible uh, alternative choice. Pretty interesting uh, concept. Because it's Destruction. Yeah. You know, and, and and honestly, I think this was, this, Glenn Fabry becomes the guy, and I think that, uh, I think that Neil Gaiman catered the story more to, to, towards Glenn Fabry. So I think it would be a different comic mm -hmm. that you would be reading, but... Fabry is so associated with Bisley in a lot of ways 
that it's hard to think that Bisley's not the first guy that comes to mind. And at this time, it was interesting for Fabry's career because he started to flex his comic book chops in America a little bit more. I didn't know him for being a... I knew him as the preacher cover artist. He's a really good pen and ink guy. He and is. I feel like there are a lot of painters like that where it's like, I kind of love when I see their, their line work. Totally. And Fabry man can draw. So he was flexing his chops because he did a cover for uh, American Splendor. The, the, there were two rounds of Vertigo, uh, American Splendor comics, and he did the cover for Numero Uno, I believe. He did a Thor series that looked really cool. It was pen and ink. And then he did, I think it was a Vertigo series, and it was like a rock and roll band, but same deal. Like, his drawings are just astounding. This is actually a story that, like, if this were a graphic novel or a science fiction novel or whatever, I love the concepts that are in this story. Totally. Uh, and, and, you know, we could cover a little bit of that. Uh, these excavators, these archaeologists, they found this, like, little uh, obelisk shape. Uh, plateau or something mesa mm -hmm. that it, it contains the future it contains right. stuff from the future yes. it's a twilight zone episode uh you know pennies from 50 years from now and also weaponry right. from 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 that period uh this is the destruction that is um you know fr from the comic that kind of like left the family and he's just kind of this this wanderer cell phones right like yeah just the, the concept of it just felt like a world yeah and and we get a short story of it right but it's 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 a heck of a it's a heck of a uh what do you call it like a twilight zone episode i would say and it is the classic destruction where you see several versions of the destruction throughout the series uh when he when he has his mantle as destruction he's got like the roman soldier helmet and is a fucking brutal dude but then you know he splits and he becomes like an artist it's like uh colossus mm -hmm. in uh the x-men comics he's a painter and he's got a dog that talks and gives him shit one of the strong things in all of these stories is is loca is setting yeah is, like location place good call i'm very impressed by that because that's something that I don't always get in comics, and it must be something that Gaiman is just very conscious of and pays attention to, and I appreciate that. Like as a as a creator, like it's a note to take. Absolutely, it's like setting and weather yeah. can can add to the drama of your stories in such a big way. And 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 when we sit down to the page, the co immediate concerns are: is this clear? But like we've done thousands of pages now, so we need to step up our games ourselves, and consider those bits so we we end with destiny the frank whiteley works each piece a fantastic piece of artwork you got destruction set with his back to uh to to the crew uh some some language in here about sometimes you know the statues move at incremental paces and stuff which which is such a fantastic idea imagining you know these being concepts that have existed forever so then like imagining their attire changing and i really love this treatment for perspective this has nothing to do with this story but i love this you have all of your vanishing point is, is back here right mm -hmm. but these are vertical lines for the wall and then horizontal once you get onto the ground plane right there's just something about that that's so simple but i love it and and those bricks exist so quietly 
he's he's just he's super sharp and then he gets impressionistic like mm-hmm. towards the end which is that's a problem that you have to solve right because you establish those lines there now how do you dissolve them because if you continue the line it becomes black yeah uh and it becomes the focal point and he does it in such a sharp way it was a big revelation seeing seeing quietly do the his color work realizing that like he has these tools at his disposal and he's had these tools at his disposal the whole time because this is really like the first time that he really lets it shine. Does he do some of his covers? I bet he's done color work for because I recognize this look. Absolutely, some of, some of his uh, some of his covers. So. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he he's used the style since for sure. This is one of the things that you and I talk about uh, where when you actually task yourself with drawing the thing and you study the thing in like kind of like a still life way, there's nuance to pull from it that you wouldn't otherwise. It would be more iconic if you just yes. hand drew it. But but that that leather bound shine and things like like it looks legitimate dude it's the marvel man book that we have yeah totally i I think optics (laughs) binding might have put this this book together (laughs) man and when he comes in with this blue it's just gorgeous we've been looking at those warm yellows and browns and oranges and now whenever you get a little bit of the pinks and the blues it just pops what a weird tree yeah this is great this is so mystical so cool and then this is panel when have you ever seen a panel border that looked like that, ladies and gentlemen? He does some really nice stuff page layout-wise throughout this story with those kind of tricks, you know, like like almost, yes, it's a splash page, but he'll create like two points. Just don't bother with the panel border. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's really nice looking. And it's a huge contrast. Like he did that Ambassadors issue one that mm-hmm. he colored. It's such a different approach. Yeah, we got to look at that uh, under the microscope, maybe, maybe with Uncle Uncle Frank. So there it is, man. A quick overview. We kind of dug deeper into so, some more than others, but they could be individual episodes themselves uh, to to unpack in the future. Uh, but with a murderer's row of illustrators like this, it's kind of hard not to do a quick glance here on the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, kind of show the book off in whole. So you guys have your marching orders with that. Get your hands on this before we start to unpack it and, and do uh, you know deeper dives on each particular episode. Jimmy, if you're good to go, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Cartoonist Kayfabe-tober is upon us, 2023. These are your drawing prompts. Make sure that you tag us, add us. Make sure that we see these uh, pieces that you put together so that we can share those with our audience at large. Boost your numbers, get get your name out, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see what you guys come up with. We are a daily YouTube channel, and uh, with more than 1,500 videos in our filmography at this point, some stuff might have slipped your radar, and we might have talked about your favorite comics. Give the channel a search for your favorite titles, check out those episodes, and if we did not cover your favorite comics, put something in the comments, let us know what those comics are. We could push those comics a little bit higher on our to-read piles. The uh, videos are supported by the King Kayfabers on our Patreon. They get access to all the videos before anybody else. They're hanging out with us right now in a live stream recording session as we put together uh, this week's worth of videos. And uh, we are very much in appreciation for the King K Vibers who are supporting the channel. Ultimately though, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Before you is a sample of our bibliography to date, but we are working all the time. And coming October 18th, is the hip-hop family tree omnibus you guys have been watching this comic kind of develop 
over the this past year of 2023 and it is almost upon us and about 75 percent of this print run is accounted for already which i have to absolutely thank you guys for uh what that also suggests is if if you even think that you want this you better order it up quick because uh, that last 25 percent is going to go pretty quick whenever uh you know stores sell stuff off the rack and then have to re-up 500 plus pages 150 page of additional material and uh best book i ever made please scoop that up not the only holiday effort to come in 2023 uh, in November comes the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback. Uh, it's crazy how uh, this one works because it's probably off to the press right now, mere weeks before its release, so I don't have a comp copy to show off. So it's going to be smaller in scale than what you're, you're looking at, but these big volumes, some of them are out of print, and it's going to have all of my X-Men Grand Design work in there. Please check that out, man. It's perfect. Jump on point for any X-Men fans or, or uh, you know, enterprising X-Men fans if you're curious about that title. Red Room has been my focus uh, the past couple of years in terms of new comics, two trade paperbacks out, the Antisocial Network, Trigger Warnings, uh, it's Halloween time, right? Read some uh, tongue-in-cheek horror potboilers. There's going to be a third volume coming out in January. It's called Crypto Killers, and uh, it is the best round of comics uh, yet. Each one of these is self-contained, though. It has four complete uh, self-contained stories. If you see either of these out there in the wild, give it a shot. Jimmy, tell the people what you got going on. Hulk Grand Design is my contribution to the Grand Design mythos, and it is sold out at the distribution level. So pick that up if it's sitting on your comic shop shelves right now, because these are going to become harder and harder to find. Coming out in November, Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. You need to pre-order that one now. It collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive, also available from Image Comics. These two books together will comprise the complete set of all of the Street Angel comics that I have made so far. And I have been self-publishing lately and will be selling these on jimrug.com, my website, at the end of October, October 26th. That will include the BW zine, uh, highlighting panels and art and ads and editorials from the uh, black and white explosion comics of the 80s that I love so much. The 1986 zine is all about the year 1986 whenever comics really kind of, the direct market and comic shops took over the direction of comics in, the, uh, in America. And True Crime Funnies, these are nonfiction stories uh, featuring traditional true crime subject matter like a uh, drug cop, but also featuring some wrestling stories uh, from the early 20th century, as well as an Andy Warhol soiree into wrestling one night. So check those out. Mark your calendar, October 26th, jimrug.com. And if you can't wait that long, you can read a lot of this stuff on my Patreon, patreon.com slash jimrug. The books are the most important part to keep the channel uh, solvent and to keep the videos coming to you on a regular basis, but there are some ways to directly support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. It's a way for us to keep you up to date on what we have going on and where we're going to be. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, all kinds of stuff at our spread shop. And that link is also under this video in the show notes. There you have it. Plethora of ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, please give the people their final marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.